Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to however you are listening to this. Now, normally we try to do a podcast two, three times a week, although you probably would have noticed already that during the coronavirus lockdown, we've only been doing one episode a week. We hope to change that soon. Uh, We'll have to wait and see. But the best way to keep up to date with the latest podcast episodes is to subscribe. And while you're there, why not drop us a review? It really does help other people who might enjoy the podcast find us. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. I'm your host, Ben James, and finally, after what feels like an eternity, without five months of rugby, we are nearly back within touching distance of the sport returning. The Pro 14 is back this weekend, and joining us on the podcast today is none other than former Ospreys coach and Premier Sport pundit and analyst, Sean Holly. How are you doing, Sean? I'm good, thanks, Ben. Uh, Raring to go, as you say, it's been a long time coming. I'm pretty excited about the weekend. Um, You know, I know there's... For Welsh regions, it doesn't seem to be a lot on it as far as the Pro 14 goes, but uh, we've got rugby as imminent and uh, we've got something to talk about at last. Exactly. It's been a long five months, isn't it? There's only so much banana bread you can bake and Netflix series you can binge watch, uh, but it's great to have rugby back, isn't it? Yeah, it is good. Um, you know, so we've had the appetite whetted, if you like, with the super rugby stuff, the Gallagher Premiership starting last weekend, so a bit envious about all of that. But uh, it's finally upon us and uh, looking forward to it. You know, it's a a unique format because of the circumstances. But what it does do, it brings together a couple of weeks of derby matches, which, you know, we all relish, whatever the the circumstances. And even though there's only, what, half a dozen teams with something really to play for in terms of trophies, there's still, you know, bragging rights and there's still, you know, six nations uh, in the new year to look forward to and international places up for grabs. Like you say, even even if it is a sort of it's pre-season feels, isn't it? But you know, it is derbies, and I suppose every region does have something sort of to prove, and 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 sort of there's a couple of new eras, and and there, there are interesting sort of storylines c- coming into it. You know, let's if you start with the Scarlets Blues first game on Saturday. I mean, Glenn Delaney's first match in charge. It's, it's the third Scarlets coach in as many seasons, so it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, takes over from uh, Brad Moore. Yeah, I, I think he's. I think he's got a big job there, Glenn Delaney. I think uh, the Scarlet, since uh, obviously Wayne Pivak was announced to be the next Welsh coach, um, haven't quite been themselves, have they? Brad Moore came with uh, lots of plaudits, left with lots of plaudits. Um, lovely fella, very good coach, obviously. But the you know the record of the Scarlets under Brad Moore you know isn't too auspicious when you look at the league table and particularly the statistics. Um, you know it's not what we've come to, uh, to to expect. You know in in terms of some of those statistics, they they were ranked the bottom side in the Pro 14 in terms of defence. They missed the most tackles in terms of their tackle success. And you know the Scarlets have been renowned for their attacking prowess, but uh, you know fans will realise this from watching them over the over the last year and Glenn Delaney now comes in with quite a big job um, perhaps the lockdown will have suited them in terms of getting some players recovered Liam Williams obviously back um, one or two signings which are pretty exciting particularly young Sam Costello but you know uh, there's high expectations from the Scarlets fans and they still have a sniff in Conference B uh, they've got it all to do and the results have to go their way but uh, you know they'll, they'll need a good couple of weeks uh, a pre-season as you say Ben um, because October the 3rd is mooted as the restart of the new season and you know all sides will be looking to get off to a good start so Glenn Delaney for me you know the jury will be out and he'll know that and he's under early pressure and of course there's you mentioned new signings there's also key departures isn't there I mean 
Johnny Williams has come in and Tyler Morgan's come in, but Hadley Parks just gone. So there's, it's, it's, it's going to be slightly different, isn't it, Red Park Scarlets this year? It is, it is. And, uh, you know, there's a long-awaited return of Jonathan Davis. You know, um, it's a long-term injury. We've got to give him some time. You know, Tyler Morgan's a fine young player, but he's not a Hadley Parks. Hadley Parks has done a job for Scarlet and Wales that uh, basically does what it says on the tin. Um, not pretty at times, but, you know, puts a lot, a lot of work in. And that, that'll be missed by the Scarlets, particularly without potentially John Fox early on um, in the restart. But, you know, they have to get off to a pretty good start. And, um, you know, I think having the Blues early on is not a bad one for them. I think the Blues, again, are still searching for their identity and I'm waiting for the real Blues to show up under John Mulverhill. Um, so it's intriguing, really, to see where these sides are at. Um, because Scarlets have been the shining light for the Welsh regions, you know, in the past four or five seasons. And uh, there's nothing better than seeing a winning, free-flowing Scarlets in the Pro 14. Mentioned the Blues there. It's been sort of fairly quiet um, business-wise for them. Only a sort of couple of uh, acquisitions. Uh, Corey Hill and Reese Carey coming back to the Arms Park. Obviously, Sam Moore signed towards the latter end of the season uh, early this year but that hasn't played a game yet so it'll be interesting to see how that fits in because as you say they, they sort of struggle to find the identity under John Mulvihill there's been flashes of brilliance you know sort of with the back line Jared Evans dictating things and, and, and when they get quick ball they look devastating but when they don't they, they really struggle to, to break teams down and they get very lateral don't they? Yeah I think so and I, I think you know whether it's warranted or not um a lot of the opposition sides do tend to target the Blues. You know, they try to squeeze them up front, particularly the front five, hence the signings of Corey Hill and Reese Carey coming back. I think they are very good signings. Reese Carey is obviously one for the future. He's a dynamic ball-carrying prop. But Corey Hill is the sort of experienced talisman leader who's got an all-court game, really, that is something the Blues have lacked perhaps in that sort of back five department. And, uh, you know, I think that's a very shrewd acquisition. Corey Hill, great bloke, good leader, done it tremendously well for, for Wales. And uh, it's those sort of players that the Blues need in order to launch those exciting backs that you, you mentioned, Ben. I mean, there's no doubt that they have some of the best wing three quarters in the league you know Josh Adams uh, Owen Lane for me uh, has been somebody who's been knocking on the international door for a long long time Matthew Morgan can be devastating on his day um, and and centres to boot you know you can rattle them off Jared Evans uh, I love the way Jared Evans plays and Thomas Williams has been the incumbent for a while so it's that front really that um, that they need that little bit of steel Ellis Jenkins coming back will obviously be key for them Josh Navidi in the moving forward will be the key player along with Corey Hill so you know again it's funny isn't it a bit like the Scarlets the lockdown just may have helped them a little bit to sort of regather restock find that identity that they need because quite frankly you know if we're honest all the Welsh regions in the last two two seasons or so have, have really really underachieved and the, uh, the the conference tables in the Guinness Pro 14 they don't lie when it comes to that yeah and going back to the signing of Hill you know I suppose the second row has been something it's been a void that the Cardiff Blues have had for a while obviously the deal for Franco van der Merwe sort of fell through didn't it in 2017 and they probably haven't had someone in that sort of boiler room since Paul Tito and Corey Hill isn't the sort of sort of lock who's going to get you quick ball through big 
gain line busting ball carries, but it's 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 more the work he does with tip on passes and and just hitting ruck after ruck after ruck, isn't he? You're right. You know the engine on the lad is fantastic. He's a good ball player. He's very experienced now. Um, you know he's not the oldest guy around, but you're right. You know I think you look at all of the 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 big hitters in the Guinness Pro 14 in that second row department. But uh, even in Europe, in the second row department, you have. You know, real talisman, bruising, uh, impact type players. And, you know, for, for the modern coach, the second row in your squad development is always, it's like your centre forward in football, your goal scorer. You know, he's the guy that has got the numbers, he's the presence, he's, he's involved in all aspects of the game. And uh, you've only got to look at uh, the, the top sides to see. You know that's the case. You know you you take now Munster's recent signing of uh, of Snayman. They've identified that obviously that's a, a key area. You know uh, James Ryan um, in 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 Leinster is obviously is huge. You've got people like Ian Henderson um, to name but one at Ulster. You know they've got a plethora of back five forwards that. Um, impact on the game and Richard Cockrell knows all about front five forwards uh, up in Edinburgh and they've produced a steely pack now alongside some um, quite dynamic back rows and the likes of Schoeman in the front row that is is giving them some success so you know it is a department that uh, is very very important in professional rugby squads and at least Corey Hill is going some way to readdressing that for the Blues. I suppose another sort of big area for the Blues is Nick Williams is, is hanging up his boots. And he's been someone who you, you you severely notice when he's missing in that Cardiff Blues team, just for the, the go forward that he delivers. And they've, they've signed Sam Moore. So it'll be interesting to see if he can sort of take over that mantle now. Yeah, uh, it would be interesting. It's, again, it's big shoes to fill, isn't it? Nick Williams, a perennial performer, another talisman. And, you know, from your eight, this, it's very important to get that sort of ball carrying uh, aspect. Uh, again, it's another position. And uh, this is what I mean about the identity of the Blues. They, they again, have got lots of back rowers with huge potential and uh, and quality. Ellis Jenkins, I've mentioned, Josh Navidi, Ollie Robertson has been a brilliant signing and performer. They've got Shane Hughes coming through. Um, uh, you know, Josh Turnbull has been a good warrior in the back row. But, you know, take Nick Williams out. You know, have they got a big ball carrying number eight that, again, you look at the other sides, even, you know, even Munster, you know, look, Arno Botha, you know, you, you've got uh, Kutsia there along with Sean Reedy and, and others at Ulster. You know, it, it, you've got Billy Matter up in Edinburgh. Uh, you know, the list goes on. Um, Leinster, again, have depth in Keelan Doris, Max Deegan. Um, it, it, it's an area that is needed. And um, when you when you look into to build a side in this Pro 14, you know, the core aspects, hooker, second row, number eight, halfbacks, fullback, goal kicker, uh, they're, they're integral to success. And um, I still feel that, um, you know, like a couple of the other Welsh regions, that sort of spine is just lacking compared to the sides at the top of the conferences. It's funny, actually, you mentioned number eight because the Scarlets now do have, I mean, they had Uzer Kazium last year and he, he did really well, but now they've got um, Sion Kalamafoni. And it looks like yeah. the Scarlets have finally got some big ball carrying number eight that they probably missed since, you know, the, the days of David Lyons and, and Ben Morgan. Yeah, and Scott Quinnell before that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
But, um, yeah, you're right. They, they, again, and this is something that the Scarlet's coaching staff and the recruitment guys have, have identified, isn't it? You know, Ty Byrne was obviously um, an amazing signing for them, albeit not at eight. You know, he performed like an eight, if you like. And Kasim stepped up to the plate last year, you know, having had a difficult injury the year before. So, Callum Afoni is, is a, an experienced campaigner. He's he's not in, in that usual sort of role that you'd expect, but he's certainly an exciting player and a, and a big man uh, and of course you still got Kasim there so you know the Scarlet seem fine there I, I was impressed with their young second rows over the course of the last few seasons people like Lewis Rawlings stepping in uh, doing a great job uh, and they've got the front row down there again with Ken Owens being the captain yet again um, so you know the, the, the thing with the Scarlet is if they can if they can get their sign-ins like that right they always know they've got a conveyor belt of local talent in other positions that you know can fuel their style of play and this is something Perhaps the Blues uh, are trying to, to discover. Um, and let's hope that they can build on now for uh, this reset and then into next season. Absolutely. And then the second game of the weekend, I believe that's the one you're doing the punter on, is the Ospreys against the Dragons on Sunday. Yeah, myself and Shane Williams will be down at the Liberty Stadium. Uh, again, you know, you think there's nothing on this, but uh, really... The sideshow, there's a lot on it. You know, a new coach at the Ospreys, Toby Booth, Brock James coming in as a tack coach and um, really want to uh, readdress the balance. The, the Ospreys are, are ranked bottom of the Pro 14 statistics in all attacking departments. You know, whether you look at meters made, line breaks, try scores, they are, you know, rock bottom. Um, they rank 11th in defence, so it's been a pretty miserable 2019-2020 uh, season for the Ospreys and not what the crowds have, have come to expect in recent years. So Toby Booth has come in with a, with a new broom and, um, you know, he's saying all the right things. He wants a fresh start and he wants a new Ospreys and uh, it sounds like that's what, what what's needed. They probably needed the break more than anybody. The win over Ulster before lockdown was a saving grace um, just to get a bit of spirit in the camp. But, this, you know, a, a change is as good as a rest sometimes. Um, probably Alan Wynn, Justin Tipperick, you know, people like that will have needed a break. And um, even though they're not going to figure much, if we are going to have all of this international rugby uh, during the autumn and the Six Nations that has been, you know, muted, then they are still integral to the culture uh, and um, and what's going on at the Ospreys. So if Toby can harness that, um, you know, we may see a different Ospreys. Certainly we need to see a different style of play and we need to see more tries scored um, because what we've come to expect from the Ospreys is a pretty mean defence and a rapier style attack and we haven't seen it for a long, long time. As for the Dragons, of course, a lot of excitement and expectation around there. You know, um, we know and we've lauded the young players that they've, they've pushed through there. People like Aaron Wainwright and Tane Basham, Leon Brown, to name but a few. Uh, the halfbacks, Rodri Williams and Sam Davis, steadied the ship under Dean Ryan when he arrived and they got some significant results before COVID struck. But with the signings they've made now, People like Jamie Roberts, Nick Tompkins, Jonah Holmes, you know, there will all of a sudden, Ben, be a level of expectation now, which is something the Dragons haven't had for a long time. So it'd be interesting to see how they cope with that. I know Dean Ryan's experience and he, he can cope with that, no problem. How he harnesses that and how they approach it going into the new season, uh, it's really exciting to see. Because these games, are, they're almost like pre-season games, aren't they? 
they, they're going to find out a little bit about themselves and, and use them to springboard themselves into uh, October the 3rd, the next season. You, you mentioned sort of the new signings there. I'd be interested to see how men, how much each of them plays because you'd expect Jamie Roberts, obviously he'll, he'll be missing this weekend after the positive test last week. You'd expect him to play a fair bit, but someone like Nick Tompkins, who's on a season-long loan, given the amount of test rugby we're likely to get over the next year, we might not see him feature as much in a in a Dragons jersey. No, we, and that depends on selection, doesn't it, for the international game um, with John... Jonathan Davis likely to come back at some point then you know he may well be available um they may play together you never know um it remains to be seen so there's lots of sideshows ifs and buts isn't there but uh, one thing's for sure having the quality of Nick and Jamie and Jonah Holmes international players in and around the camp added to the people like uh, the young players that I mentioned Ross Moriarty Richard Hibbard um you know, and those halfbacks, there's going to be a different feel around the Dragons camp. There's going to be, you know, an air of confidence, even having not played. Gordon Ross as, a, as an attack act coach as well. So a guy who's played 10 at international rugby, coached at Worcester and, and London Welsh. Um, so again, there'll be a new voice. So, I mean, you know, it remains to be seen, but you know, I, I'm I'm really positive and upbeat about the Dragons. I saw enough in them last year, enough fight and organisation to to warrant time for the young players to develop with those quality players. And a lot of it is about confidence. For so long, Ben, the Dragons have been the whipping boys. For so long, they've gone into games expecting to lose. For so long, we've been saying, well, you know, they. They, they tried hard, they did well, they got a losing bonus point. You know, if they can now get a bit of a run and an air of confidence, things will change there. And who knows what they could achieve because with a bit of success, Dean may get a chance to sign some more people. Those young players will grow even more. But as I say, the caveat is expectation will creep up and that's a different pressure altogether. And then going back to the Ospreys, I mean, they got a lot of their business done fairly early. Obviously, Reese Webb is back, Matt Prothero. Uh, this weekend, you're probably likely to see the likes of Justin Tiprick and Alan Jones play. I think it's probably their first league game in about 15 months with the World Cup and everything that's gone on. But the one thing that sort of hangs over them and, and, and probably stops them progressing is just the, the, the fitness of Gareth Anscombe, the, the big marquee signing they made well over a year ago and, and haven't been able to field yet. Yeah, it doesn't sound good, does it? You know, um, it looked pretty innocuous when he did it. You know, I, I've spoken to him a few times in that period and he felt he was getting back on track, but he's had some setbacks. The signing of Stephen Myler, the experienced ex-London Irish, Northampton 10, um, tells us something that they need a stop gap. Luke Price was given a huge burden there uh, and a huge pressure at 10 for a young man, having not played many, um, you know, first first team games so Myla will come in and steady that ship uh, not not the most extravagant player but experienced and knows his way around the rugby field and that will settle them a little bit I think also having Reese Webb um, I think is a massive thing I think Reese Webb is it's just a different class to a lot of nines particularly some of the nines that the Ospreys have had since Reese left and there's some young talent there that Reese can help nurture now he's been in the, in those young man's shoes and that'll be massive for the region as well but you know of course he's got a point to prove he's always in supreme nick and uh, he's going to want that Wales jersey so that that's quite mouth-watering stuff but the, the worry is Gareth Anscombe you know it, you need that. that that signing was 
you know, was really a massive signing and a statement to say, look, we want the, the current Wales 10 year and, and push forward and take us forward. And if he's not going to play over the course of the next season, then, you know, that's, that's the sort of thing we're looking at. Then the Ospreys may have to go back into the market or, or find someone pretty quick. Especially because, you you know, obviously with Webb back, you feel like the rest of the back line is really starting to build. Obviously, George North's there. Owen Watkin is really coming on as a player. You'd hope that the break has done Scott Williams good because he, he seemed to have probably maybe flogged himself a bit too hard to get himself back in contention f- for the World Cup and, and it probably paid the price fitness-wise. So you'd hope he'd be back to sort of near fitness. Keelan Giles will be on his way back and then you've got new signings like Matt Prothero. So that the rest of the back line looks to be taking shape, doesn't it? It's just, you, you're just sort of waiting on the fitness of the sort of the man who's going to put it all together at temp. Absolutely. I mean, you've got the core there, haven't you? Uh, up front, some good experience, talisman players. Um, Reese Webb is the conduit to that. But you need a halfback pair in that is settled, that know each other, get a run of games together. It's what the Ospreys had over the years. They had it with Reese Webb and Dan Bigger. Even even when they got into a bit of trouble, you know, people like that can steer the ship. I think Matt Prothero is a really exciting signing. I think the Ospreys have had makeshift wings. They've had a lot of injuries in that department. Hannah Dirksen can't, you know, he can't string two or three games together because of his long-term sort of uh, injury issues. Keelan Giles has been so unlucky. Before that, Eli Walker had to retire. Um, And so, you know, George North has come in, shown flashes of it. And you're right, Scott Williams has been carrying an injury you know, the mainstay there has been Owen Watkins. He has a chance now to stake a claim for, you know, a jersey for Wales. And I, I really like Owen Watkins. He, he, Owen Watkins, he has all the attributes. Reminds me of a, a bit of an Ashley Beck type figure and uh, could really step up. Dan Evans, of course, at the back, uh, is a consistent performer. So, but, the, but again, the one thing for me that I think the Ospreys uh, have lacked and the, the attacking statistics, you know, bear this for me is they've lacked a real big ball carrying back row forward I think they've had very similar type players you know people like Alan Wynn and Bradley and Dan Lydiard and Ollie Cracknell and James King they're all very similar sort of players they're hard yards hard working high numbers and clearing rucks making tackles do their job really really well but they've lacked that sort of big ball carrying offloading busting guy you know, you think back to Ryan Jones, Philo Tia Tia, even Dan Baker was a was a, an X Factor type number eight who has moved on now. So I, I think Toby Booth will recognise this and will 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 look to the market for somebody that that fits that sort of bill, because then you know that complements the other forwards. You have to have a yin and a yang in your selection, and as you rightly say, if the back line could get a run, an injury free run, all the talent is there. Gareth Hanscom aside. So let's 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 just uh, look ahead then to the weekend and let's pick out a sort of few players to sort of maybe look out for for anyone listening from from the regions. Um, okay, well for the Dragons, um, all being well, uh, apart from the usual suspects, I, I just think one guy that could flourish with the new signings. Uh, I like Ashton Hewitt. I think he's electric on the wing. I think he'll run through walls for you. I think he's a, an intelligent guy. 
um, early on in his career positionally perhaps he was found wanting but again a guy that struggled with injury if if Ashton is fit and ready to go he's one that I, I'm really excited about seeing you know, I think he potentially could could play international rugby he's been on the fringe of a squad when he's been on a, a bit of a run as well so for the Dragons uh, it's him um, for the Ospreys well Take your pick. The one to watch me is Rhys Webb because I think the guy's got hunger. I think he's got a point to prove. I think he wants the Wales jersey. I think as long as Rhys balances out his desire to perform individually and balances that out with the needs of the team, you know, we could have a real good animal on our hands in Wales in Rhys Webb there. Um, for, for, the, for the Blues, well, it has to be Jared Evans with Gareth Hanscom injured. You know, Dan Bigger is obviously uh, holding the shirt at number 10, playing in Northampton, but Jared has shown so many signs. Now is the time for him to really mature and start bossing games, as well as the stuff that he does in his mercurial fashion. You know, he he's the one, uh, I think, now that could really step up. Can he go, Ben, to the next level? That's the question I would be asking Jared Evans, you know, if he can go to the next level, wow, what an exciting talent we could have there. Um, I put a little in brackets, Josh Adams in there because I think Josh's form has been fantastic uh, for Wales and the Blues, so excited about that. And for the Scarlets, um, I know Sam Costello, I don't know whether he's going to figure this this um, this weekend. Uh, or the following weekend, but his signing back from Leicester Tigers when he was uh, plucked out of uh, Pencord, which is where he's from, and out of the hands of the potential Ospreys region, he's he's come back and while we're on the theme of tens, uh, his form for Wales in the twenties in some of the games, particularly against England at King's Home uh, in the twenties championship, uh, you know he's won again. I think some of our listeners may not have heard too much about, but to possibly keep an eye on. Yeah, I think the Scarlets are going to tread quite carefully with Sam Costello a bit like Leicester did um, go nice and slowly with him although speaking to his parents last year I think Leicester were ready to play him in Europe only I think something injuries got in the way but he was sort of tipped for, for a European spot last year so he, he could well burst onto the scene obviously we all remember what he did in the, the under 20s this year I think all that's left to do is probably predictions for the weekend how do you see the two matches going <laughs> It's probably the hardest prediction ever, isn't it? You know, um, you haven't got a form guide, have you? We got no form <laughs> guide, so I'm going to be um, a real chicken and uh, and go for two home wins. I think um, I think the Scarlets, uh, you know, should win. I think they should. I think they're two very close sides, very similar. I'm hoping for a bit of a cracker there, an open game, nothing to lose. Scarlets, of course. Um, have to go and get a bonus point win so you know I, I'm expecting a good game I'll go for the Scarlets and I just think if if as you say the big guns are fit and ready to go and are wheeled out by Toby Booth the likes of you know Alan Wynn Justin Tipperick uh, George North Scott Williams then I just think we might see them with a point to prove the biggest thing for the Ospreys of course is not to finish bottom of Conference A They've got to jump above Zebra, uh, not to have that hanging over their neck going into next season. So I'm going for a narrow Ospreys win and a big Scarlets win. How's that? There we go. I suppose the other thing, actually, you mentioned two home victories. It's it's going to be interesting, the atmosphere of the games, because they're derbies, 
but there's no crowd. Well, mate, I'm commenting on Sunday and I'm sort of hoping that, you know, these effects that we've been seeing on the football and the Super Rugby, I'm hoping I'm going to get those through my headphones because I like a bit of a crowd when I'm commentating, you know, <laughs> to get me going. Otherwise, I'm going to be hearing myself echoing around the Liberty Stadium, me and Shane, and uh, that's not going to be too exciting. But, yeah, it is going to be different. But it, I suppose it is what it is. You know, some of these players are used to playing in front of big, big crowds. and they. But if they're professional enough and, and hone in and, and zoom in, then they should be fine. But yeah, it'll, it'll be quite eerie and different, that's for sure. It'll certainly be interesting. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast, Sean. And uh, I believe you can catch both games on Premier Sport this weekend. Yeah, you can catch all the games on Premier Sport. So tune in. There's a special offer on, so tune in to uh, Premier Sports to find out. Mm-hmm.